Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. I am your host, David Rathemeyer. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Abraham Chen. This is an episode of Unbound Conversations, where we have special guests on to give their perspective on some of the things we talk about here at Unbound. And Abe, I think I, I we am very excited for this guest that we have today. He was one of the easily best speakers that we had at Apex this last year. Of course, all of them were amazing. But uh, tell us a little bit about who we're going to be hearing from today. Yes, sir. David, today we speak with Mr. Luke Zamperini. He is the son of the famed Louis Zamperini, who was a champion in the Olympics way back in the day, more known for his story during World War II, how he survived uh, the war, as well as prison camps in Imperial Japan uh, during that time. Yes, as you mentioned, David, we had the great privilege of having Mr. Luke Zamperini at Apex sharing his father's story. But today's conversation is much more down to earth, I would say. We get to talk about uh, the curriculum that is based on the Unbroken book, as well as the 2014 film. We get to speak about how the lessons from Mr. Zamperini's story overall apply to uh, his son's life, as well as our lives as young people. So yes, a lot of good truth today. Looking forward to hearing it, and hopefully you all listening are as well. So without further ado, please enjoy the episode. Hello, all. Welcome onto this show, especially to Mr. Luke Zamperini. Thank you so much for joining us today. Very glad that you're on the show. We are very happy to hear more from you. And we, who, those of you guys who are Ascent students who are at Apex this year or Unbounders, you were able to hear Mr. Zamperini share the incredible story of his father and his life journey and how. He went through the war, uh, the Second World War, but also found redemption. So, Mr. Zamperini, um, many have heard that story, but I wanted to make sure to give you a chance to, uh, again, introduce yourself and what you're doing now. So tell the listeners a bit about yourself and the ministry that you are running for uh, the story of your father and where you are right now. Okay, well, I'm... Uh Retired from uh, 30 years of working for the city of Los Angeles. I retired as a chief building inspector for the Department of Building and Safety. And uh, my wife and I have continued my father's work through uh, the Louis Zamperini Foundation. Now, his his life after, you know, after the story unfolded and after he went back to Japan and forgave his, his prison guards, he dedicated his life to helping uh, the kids at risk. And these were particularly boys that were in the youth correctional facilities here in California. And so we've carried on that work. Uh, and I, prior to COVID, I was able to get into the correctional facilities and carry a gospel message to those, uh, boys and girls. And, uh, but what we, what, what we, we were praying for the point of a spear uh, for our ministry. Where do we take it from? just being local and dealing with uh, kids in the Los Angeles area. And uh, we had discovered a teacher in Texas who was had a unique way of teaching the book Unbroken to her world geography class. And what we discovered was that it was changing the lives of the kids that were studying the book. And so we, uh, we went down to Texas. Uh, we introduced ourselves. We asked her to have uh, some some of her students who we could talk to in the middle of summer vacation. 
we thought we might have two or three. There were 50 waiting for us uh, at the high school in Granbury, Texas. And uh, we, uh, we, we saw firsthand uh, from their testimonies just, just how powerful uh, the, the, the story of Louis Zamperini was in their own lives. And so we contracted with this teacher to create the uh, Louis Zamperini Foundation Unbroken Curriculum. And uh, this is what we do now. We are busy trying to get uh, this curriculum into every high school in America. That's our long-term goal. So far, we've succeeded in about 500 schools, both uh, public and private. And what this does, this, this uh, curriculum is basically, it's a classroom in the round. The teacher reads the book aloud to the class. The, uh, <clears throat> the students follow along with their own copies of the book. And uh, so that no student is left behind. Otherwise, you know, the, the the really good readers would finish the book in a couple of days. The slow readers would never finish it or, or maybe not even start it. But having it read aloud to them as they follow along in the book really captures them. And they go through this journey uh, together and they come out on the other side of this as comrades. What they learn is, uh, first and foremost, hope. And because if Louis can go through what he went through and come out on the other side uh, and uh, deal with his his post-traumatic stress disorder, learn how to forgive his uh, captors and come to faith in Jesus Christ, then they can get through the struggles that they're having. And this is evidenced by the the letters that they write to Louis as part of the closing part of the curriculum. They get a chance to express to, to Louis how his story has impacted their ability to deal with obstacles in their own lives. And it really truly is life-changing for these students. And uh, so as you can imagine, having read the book yourself, that uh, a, a generations of students being exposed to the story can actually change the culture in the United States. And that's what we're hoping to do. Absolutely. So hearing the story and I'm going to encourage any of the Unbounders listening that there is uh, the subscription service being set up with uh, Mr. Zamperini's session at Apex. I will highly recommend you go listen to that session or read the book. If you haven't already, check out the movie. Uh, learn more about uh, Louis Zamperini's story. I would like to ask you, Mr. Zamperini, if you've personally seen how uh, the story of your father has uh, impacted the lives of others. I'm sure there's many, many instances. And like you said, through the curriculum, this is very exciting and inspirational that you are bringing this to many, so many schools. Was there a, a particular story that impacted you yourself of how you've seen this story change someone's life or inspire someone? Well, I, uh, I'm uh, 69 years old. I spent my life with my father up until about uh, eight years ago. And um, I've watched him tell his story to countless gatherings of people in churches and schools and community clubs and watched it change people's lives before my eyes. Um, and yet, you know, there's more than that, that, that instant gratification of seeing someone raise their hand and make a decision for Christ. What I got to witness um, about 10 years ago is I, I accompanied my father on one of his speaking engagements which happened to be on a cruise ship cruising the uh, Mexican Riviera, uh, that when he got to his question and answer portion of his presentation, 
there was, uh, you know, a hand shot up and a man about my age stood up and said, well, Mr. Zamperini, I, uh, you may not remember me, but I was in your camp program in 1957. And, um, you know, the, the things that you said didn't change my life then, but it stayed with me. And several years later, uh, I gave my life to Christ, and now I'm a, a happily married, uh, successful Christian businessman, and uh, which just speaks to the fact that, you know, his story can plant the seed of the gospel, and yet when the time is right, when the Holy Spirit determines it's the correct time, this pers- the seed blossoms. And it was just astounding. I could see the tears coming down my dad's uh, face as he's hearing this feedback decades after his uh, presentation. And then no sooner did this guy sit down, another man stood up uh, and said, well, sir, I was in your camp in 1960 and had a similar story to tell. I've uh, walked into uh, to uh, churches and introduced myself. And people say, oh, any relationship to Louis? Yeah, Louis is my father. They go, oh, uh, you know, he, he spoke at my high school, in, you know, in, in 1970, and it changed my life. And well, really, that's just fantastic. So it's just, you know, when you think about everything he went through, and and he realized this, uh, that what he had to go through, uh, not only was it God's way of dealing with him, but it was also for the benefit of other people that are exposed to the story. And, uh, you know, I said, Dad, so if you had to go through it again, would you do it? He goes, no, (laughs) but uh, because it was really, really tough. But he knew that what he went through, was particularly when this book came out that it was it was meant to to bring other people to faith. Wow, that is that is truly incredible. It is so encouraging to hear stories uh, like your father's of how God redeems such hard, challenging times and uh, just uses it to make an impact in so many other people's lives. It's it's truly phenomenal to see God at work in that. Um, Personally, one question that I had uh, based off of what you talked about at uh, at Apex was one of the biggest themes in your father's story was that of forgiveness, of uh, him going back and being willing to forgive those who kept him in captivity and caused so much uh, suffering for him. And so uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts now on why you think uh, forgiveness is such an important part of the message that you're able to continue to tell today. Why do you think it's such an impactful and important thing to stress about your father's story? I would say, uh, first of all, I'll give you a quote from uh, the Reverend Will Graham, the grandson of uh, Billy Graham, uh, you know, he said that this is the greatest story of forgiveness outside of the Bible that he's aware of. And, uh, so forgiveness really is, is key. My, my father, when he, when he met, uh, you know, Sergeant Watanabe, who we refer to as the bird, as soon as he met him, the, the man, uh, struck him with a kendo stick and he beat him every day of his captivity for 27 months. And my father's natural uh, inclination to seek revenge had to be internalized. And when it did that, it created, um, uh, you know, PTSD in the form of, of nightmares where he's being tormented by the bird and he wakes up in a cold sweat as he's 
trying to choke the life out of him. And so he developed a hatred for this man that was all consuming. So, you know, uh, at the end of the war, of course, the bird had disappeared from the prison camp uh, when the, uh, the Japanese authorities had ceased hostilities. And it was assumed that, that he had gone off and committed Harry Carey someplace or, uh, so he, he wanted to kill him then. He couldn't find him. So he gets back to the United States and he tries to save up enough money to get back to Japan and try to find the guy and do him in. This is how much hatred he had for him. And this hatred for the man was tearing my father to pieces. Now my dad would, would tell you that if you, if you hate somebody, that that person is really not feeling your hatred, but it's destroying you. And, it, and he likens it to drinking poison and hoping that the other guy dies. And so when he, you know, he and he had to, of course, he had to uh, to self-medicate with alcohol to try to tamp down all the the feelings he had uh, in this regard. But when he walked into that uh, tent meeting in 1949 and found that he himself can be forgiven, he knew he needed to forgive his captors, particularly the bird. And these 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 nightmares that he'd had uh, for you know nearly five years at this point, you know the last year of the war, uh, you know, and then the 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 four years uh, after the war, um, when he got up off his knees after uh, going through the sinner's prayer, he knew he was done drinking and knew he was done fighting, and knew he'd forgiven his prison guards, including the bird, and he went home that night. It was the first night that he didn't have that nightmare and he never had that nightmare the rest of his life. So it, it apparently his PTSD was, was uh, cured in a moment. Um, so not only is it, was it important for Louis to forgive, but it's important for everybody to forgive. Um, the Louis Zamperini Foundation, we work with other charities uh, that deal with, um, with human trafficking particularly human trafficking of children in the sex trades. And uh, as part of their recovery programs that, that we're involved with, these people need to be able to forgive their abusers in order to heal properly and move on. You can't harbor that hatred for the rest of your life. It will destroy you. Uh, it, it will keep you from having a happy, fulfilled life because you're forever going to be thinking about how you need to get revenge in the name of justice, if you, if you will. And so it's incredibly important for uh, those recovering from uh, human trafficking abuse to be able to, it doesn't mean they, they have to be friends with their uh, abusers, but they need to be able to forgive them and and move on. And in a way that's, that's it, trying to understand how that person got to be that they were. Usually people that abuse people were themselves abused when they were uh, uh, kids, whether by their family members or, or other people. And so there's there's a reason why they are uh, become damaged like that. And so being able to empathize with with them and understand where they came from. For instance, my dad hated the bird. But he also was able to realize that this man was acting in a way that he thought was appropriate as a uh, as a servant of the Emperor of Japan in dealing with uh, enemies of the emperor, if you will. And uh, the Japanese Bushido code, uh, they they uh, they couldn't understand why these Americans and these these British soldiers would 
would uh, surrender because, you know, uh, the, the Japanese samurai would never surrender. They'd rather die than, than surrender. And they, so they, had, they viewed these um, allied prisoners as subhuman. Uh, you know, it's not justified, but that's that was the mindset. So being able to understand how the, the man got that way uh, enabled my father to be able to forgive him. And so it's really, really important for, uh, and we all have somebody we, we need to forgive. We all have somebody that, that whether on purpose or inadvertently has hurt us, and we need to be able to forgive that person in order to move on. So it's, it's vitally important uh, for healing and for moving on in a productive life. And I'll tell you, there, there are Christians that I know that have had a hard time forgiving their abusers before they came to faith, and they are not living that fulfilled life until they are able to forgive just like they were forgiven. And just like the, the parable of the, um, uh, the unrighteous steward who uh, begged for mercy because he owed so much to his master. He had turned around and tried to exact a, a day's wage out of somebody that owed him something. Uh, and it was just, you know, his master said, if, if you can't forgive that guy, then I no longer forgive you. And he uh, threw him in debtor's prison, if we, we call that story. Incredibly important to forgive. Hey everyone, David here with a brief break in the conversation to let you all know about a brand new product that Unbound has available right now. So if you've already been familiar with Unbound previously, you probably already know about Ascend, our higher education alternative program. But what you might not know is that we have just launched a condensed version of that called Ascend Semester. Basically, instead of taking place over a full fall and spring school year, Ascend Semester takes place over just the spring semester. And it has a ton of the same great things about Ascend packed into a shorter time frame. Things like getting to work on a project, coming to one of our events, taking one of our signature leadership courses with Dr. Jeff Myers. There's a ton of great stuff in there over the course of a spring semester. So enrollment is now open. The early bird pricing is available now. And so if you want to learn more, visit beunbound.us slash semester or check out the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the episode. Another aspect of the story, and you've mentioned this uh, as part of the curriculum and all that, uh, is seeing the, the power and as you've just said, the necessity for, for forgiveness. But at the same time, um, one thing that struck me uh, in the story was also the importance of hope and looking forward and looking to trusting God to continue to grow you and, and build on your story. Or really, God is the one who, who gives you your story, the one who is uh, carrying you and is sustaining you through life, right? So hope, I, I think, is... Uh, just a theme that was very important for me. What would you say is um, something you would say to young people, especially these days? And as you know, I think that um, well, the world has always been this way, but especially today and with where young people are at, ironically being so connected, as you've seen, but also uh, more disconnected. There's many, many things going around around the world. Yeah, what would you say about the importance of having hope, especially, again, coming from your father's story? What would you say to young people who are looking for hope? And how have you seen this hope 
again, change young people's lives, whether through the curriculum or hearing the story? Well, uh, the, the last book my father wrote before he passed away was called Don't Give Up, Don't Give In. There's a reason for everything that happens. And you, so we being Christians, we have the, the faith that God is in control. That gives us hope. Uh, and by, by that, I mean, <clears throat> even when times are bad and, and, the, and bad things are happening to us, if we, if we can place our mindset in God is in control, he's having me go through this for a divine purpose, uh, something I may not be able to uh, comprehend right now, but, it, I, but I just need to, to relate, rely on um, Romans 8.28. For all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So all things, it doesn't say all things are good. It says all things work together for the good. So even our struggles, our hard times, are they're from God and they're for, for building us into the people we are. I, you know, uh, I, I, I think back on my life. I really can't remember those glorious, wonderful summer days where I just laid around at the beach and, and you know, life was just wonderful. And I remember the days of struggle. It's the, it's the, it's the obstacles that we have to overcome that build our character and turn us into who we are. So God allows things to happen. And, you know, like, it, like what my father went through eventually worked out for the good because he came to faith. And his life story has brought uh, thousands and thousands of people to faith that have been exposed to it. And so even when the worst things are happening to you beyond your control, you have to be able to, to you, you either trust God or you don't. That's really, that's really the whole crux of it. You trust God or you don't trust God. And it's not just I, 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 you know, I can only trust him for my salvation, but I can't trust him for all the, the, the daily things that are happening. I have to trust him for everything. And that's living by faith. I remember uh, once I had I, when I got my job with the, the city of Los Angeles, my government job that was going to provide this future and, and a pension and all this stuff. And two years into it, um, the city was suffering layoffs. And because it was the last one hired, I was the first one to go. And, you know, I, I came home from work and, uh, you know, on my wedding anniversary, which was uh, June 25th, and I come home and, and my wife has, uh, you, know, the, you know, candles lit, soft music on, uh, and there's a letter from the city and she's written all these uh, psalms and, and, you know, Bible verses all over it. And I knew what it was. It was my termination letter. And so I opened it up and I read it and I just thought, you know, if God doesn't want me to have this job, I don't want this job. Yeah, he has something else better in store for me, I'm sure. And the letter said that I am terminated at the um, June 30th, five days away. And so on June 29th, I got a call from the city's personnel department, said, uh, well, Mr. Samperini, your job is no longer at risk, um, and so keep showing up. And what had happened is um, a uh, it was actually my direct supervisor had decided to take a year's sabbatical. And because they no longer had to pay him, they were able to pay me. And I lasted for another 27 years there. 
And so uh, for me, that was a turning point where it's like, I either trust God or I don't. And though I tried very hard to get this job, it took years to get in. If he doesn't want me to have it, I don't want it. And I think he blessed that that test. It was kind of a test like, you know, Abraham, not quite as severe, but Abraham grew up and slay Isaac on, uh, on Mount Moriah. And of course, at the last minute, he said, he said okay, I, I know that you place that you trust in me. And so uh, provided, uh, provided a ram for the sacrifice. Yes, totally. And if I dare paraphrase your or point a little bit, Mrs. Amperini, you're speaking of how, yeah, we do not often remember the good times. Instead, we do remember the struggles. And as young people, one of well, these struggles is accepting these difficult times because for, I think, for my generation or the younger uh, one after me, I can see very much an apprehension to to suffering. We, none of us want to suffer, of course, but just the idea of wanting to be as comfortable as possible or wanting to just find some way to avoid these difficult things. And I would say that in some ways, right, life will throw things at you. You cannot avoid those things. You want to be wise. And so if it's something that is just hurtful that you can avoid, of course. Uh, but at the same time, what would you say to this idea of, yeah, being apprehensive to the difficult things? Of course, your father's generation, they had to go through a world war. And that was very, I'm sure, like, yeah, that helped shape who he was, like you said, there was difficulties that you had to go through that you had to um, kind of learn through and that shaped you. Uh, what would you say to the young people listening now who are <laughs> trying to kind of um, get ready to face these challenges in life? Well, we uh, as Christians have experienced a, a few centuries of, um, of acceptance and protection through our, our government here. Okay, this is unprecedented. And when you think back over history and the, uh, the, the first century, there was persecution and we were thrown to the lions, we were lit on fire, we were impaled, we were hung on crosses. Um, <clears throat> even after uh, the church kind of conquered the Roman Empire, there was still the persecutions within the various factions of the church. There was war with uh, was expanding Islam. You know, uh, the church, uh, you know, in the West these days, and we think that, that we're under persecution now, it's really nothing compared to what happened in the past. And it's nothing compared <clears throat> to what's happening in, in the rest of the world. The fastest growing church on the planet is the underground church in Iran. These people are, if they, if they are caught baptized, they are put to death. Uh, there was underground churches in China. There was where persecution is. So here, you know, what were the setbacks that we have culturally that, you know, we, there were a lot of people attacking uh, uh, Christianity in this country and in Western Europe. It is still, we are still living in a favored status compared to the rest of the world and our history. And so uh, I, I would say that, you know, life is not fair. Uh, people that think that life is fair and it needs to be fair and they need to have their, their bit of judgment are, are being misled. And uh, I, I'm actually in Pebble Beach, California, which is a golf mecca. And uh, I, I do golf and golf 
does have a, a little bit of, of a lesson for us. Golf is completely unfair. It's there's the, the you know you try your hardest and just you got the wind, you got rain, you've just got the 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 difficulty of the game itself, and you learn that life is not fair, and life is not fair. So you need to be able to to face it with the knowledge that that God is in control, and to be able to do your best and to be the best. Uh, person that you can be with the tools and the gifts that God has given you. And, uh, you know, we are undoubtedly going to be facing tougher times in the future, but don't give up. Don't give in. There's a reason for everything that happens. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. Well, uh, I think uh, shifting gears a little bit, uh, one of the uh, or the primary theme, I should say, of uh, the Apex event that we were uh, grateful to have you speak at this year was uh, to join the story and uh, just seeing the importance of story in uh, in the lives of uh, each one of us and how stories can make a tremendous change in each other's lives. And I think uh, you've done an outstanding job of presenting how true that really is. Um, one thing that uh, I I would love to ask you is uh, you've told a lot of the story, the main story about your father, about uh, the challenges that he went through during the war and after the war. Uh, if we could take this opportunity to perhaps uh, hear maybe one or two stories that uh, you don't necessarily tell uh, as frequently that uh, maybe have a special place in your mind as uh, as fond memories of of your father and some of uh, your favorite stories together. I would love to hear some of those. Well, okay. I'll, uh, one of my fondest memories of my my father is <clears throat> he was an avid snow skier, and so I grew up with with him. You know, he taught me to ski you know, those, as well as, as many other things. And so we'd go, we'd go up to the ski area, <clears throat> we'd go up the, the chairlift, ski down together and back into the line. And then, uh, you know, someone would yell single and he'd just say, here, and he'd just leave me and go get on the, uh, the chairlift with a total stranger. And so <clears throat> while he's on the chairlift, he's going up the, you know, the, the mountain, he's, you know, hey, uh, fella, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm the guy, I'm in real estate or I'm a teacher or whatever it might be. And he's just like, oh, look at that that guy skiing down there. That's that's that uh, that's called the avalamont that style, you know. Just kind of let it go, and eventually the person's uh, curiosity will get to, well, um, well, what do you do, sir? And he says, well, uh, I'm in Christian youth work. And just lets it go, and oh, look at that. Oh, what a beautiful jump! Did you see that? And they go further up the mountain, and then pretty soon the guy's curiosity gets to him, and he'll say something like. Uh, you know, what did the Apostle John mean when he said this? Or, you know, what, how do you become a Christian? Or what is, you know, uh, ask him some kind of question. And now he's got a chance to answer his question and present the gospel to him. He believed that if you, if you, you, you want people's curiosity to get them there. And it, 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 he wasn't one of these kind of guys that would uh, grab you in the street corner and say, hey, what are you going to do about Jesus? He he just got himself there, got them thinking, 
And then when they would ask, now they were interested in hearing what he has to say because they asked. Uh, he used to have a little uh, a little uh, you know, red button on his shirt that had uh, uh, you know some writing in Russian on there. <clears throat> People would go, "What is that? What is that thing?" It says, "What does that mean?" It says, "Do you really want to know?" He said, "Yeah." It says, "Jesus is Lord" in Russian, and they asked. He and he got a chance to tell him. So it's all about, and this is what he would tell his story, <clears throat> and then people were interested in what he had to say because they're listening to his story. They're still interested uh, when um, when you start to tell them about Jesus. Uh, plus, he um, <clears throat> would always he always told me when you deal with people, look to the, the example set by our Lord in the. Uh, the letter to the seven churches in Revelation said he starts out with a compliment. You know, I, I have, I, you know, um, I commend you for what you're doing in this way, but I do have this against you. If you just come right out and criticize somebody, they're not listening. They're shutting, they're, they're protecting themselves by shutting off. You start out by saying, hey, what you're doing is really, really good. Um, here's how I think it could be better. So once you compliment them, now they're listening, and then you can get to what you need them to correct, and they'll and they'll hear that. But if you start out with the criticism, it shuts it off. So that was a, a great lesson that I learned from him. And uh, you know, he would come back down the mountain, and we'd go back on the lift together. And the next time we'd come down, he'd get back on the chairlift with somebody else, and that was his skiing ministry. Mm. <laughs> that is awesome, uh, and. Just uh, seeing how you've continued to share uh, just his story on stage, but also just interacting with you at Apex. Um, yeah, I'm very grateful to see that in action and how you engage with people, how you talk with people. So that is that's really cool. And, and it's definitely something that those of us, especially as college students, can look to to learn how to engage with people well, how to talk to people and get to the gospel. So I appreciate that. So we've talked about the curriculum. That is very exciting. And uh, all our prayers and blessings on that. I want to learn more about practically how we, especially those of us listening, whether parents or students can learn more about the ministry and the curriculum, where they can find it and how they can support the ministry uh, as you continue your work. Well, we do have a website. It is uh, zamperini.org. And uh, there's a donation page there for, uh, uh, you know, for supporting the ministry. There's a link to our curriculum, which is unbrokencurriculum.org. And that's where uh, uh, teachers and administrators can go and sign up for the curriculum. Uh, it is... Uh, it is ridiculously affordable. It, you know, it comes with the full lay, layout for how to get through the the book, and uh, it's designed to, to be done in six weeks. But it's flexible enough that any teacher can add their own um, uh, style to it or do it at their own pace. It comes with thirty five instructional videos for the teacher to help them get through what's called the Harkness method, which is the classroom in the round. Um, <clears throat> all this for just a couple hundred dollars. It, 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 
the only reason why we charge anything is that if it's free, no one will think it has any value. But it, uh, as you'll see, uh, uh, that uh, at the end of the course, the value is incalculable because it, even for those kids that may not come to faith from being exposed to the story, the story itself teaches them to have hope. But one word that's really used a lot in education today is resilience. You know, and re resilience is bouncing back to the state you were in before the trauma happened. Hope is different. Hope is is not just bouncing back to where you were before, but expectation of a better tomorrow because of what you went through. And so the, the curriculum really does teach teach hope. And like I said uh, before, the the seeds are planted. And by the way, when they're reading the book Unbroken aloud in the public classroom, when they get to the chapter where my dad comes to faith, they're reading the actual sermon by Reverend Graham in, uh, from October 16, 1949, aloud in the classroom. So the gospel gets proclaimed in a public classroom, and that is just completely invaluable. You can't put a price on that. That's just un unbelievable. Um, and so we, uh, we've heard testimonies from uh, students that have gone through the curriculum, and it has really changed their life. You know, if you, when you're 14, 15, 16 years old, the decisions you make for your life at that point are really the ones that stick with you. Whether you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, or you want to become a Christian, it's getting this story in front of that age group uh, really helps them set the course of the rest of their lives. Uh, and so, like I said, you know, sampria.org, you read about uh, my father there, read about the history of our organization. Uh, you get a little taste. It's actually, we provide a sample portion of the curriculum for a teacher to try out and, 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 and look over. We have many teachers that once they've looked at the sample portion, they then contacted us and signed up for the, for the, for the, the, uh, the full, the full master course, uh, complete with all the instructional videos. Fantastic. Well, we will absolutely have uh, the links to uh, both of those websites in the description down below. So if you are listening and you would like to learn more about that, you can find that right down below and uh, check that out. Well, Mr. Zamperini, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And uh, we have greatly, greatly appreciated hearing more about your story, more stories about your father and uh, the lessons from that. And uh, yeah, we very, very much appreciate that and uh, pray many blessings upon you and your ministry going forward. Well, thank you very much. And on the theme of Join the Story, the story is Christ will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And so welcome to the story. And thank you very much for this opportunity to talk to you and, and all, all those unbounders out there. Well, thank you so much for listening along with this episode. A great thank you to Mr. Zamperini for taking time out of his very busy schedule to speak with all of us again. And Guys, if you're listening and are interested in this curriculum that he's mentioned, once again, this will be in the show notes below. Do check it out. I will shout out again, Ascend Semesters that you heard in the middle of this episode. Uh, speaking of curriculum, this is another way to very much dive into all the amazing th things that come with uh, Ascend, but a shorter package so that you can 
see where the Lord takes you, experience things, and um, still get uh, a good amount of the Unbound experience. David, who do we have next time? So next episode that we have coming up will be episode number 88, and that will be an episode of Unbound Talks, where I get to sit down with some of the members of the Unbound staff. And specifically for this episode of Talks for this season, we have been going through some of the philosophy behind the way that we do things, specifically through the course of an Ascend year. So we are going to be talking next week a little bit about some of the things that our Ascend students and parents might be curious about and you might be curious about if you're thinking of becoming an Ascend student or parent as well. So thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. And as always, be unbound. <laughs>